Good evening, Church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we jump into the Old Testament and see how it connects with the New and see how it can connect to us today. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. That's Exodus chapter 16, verse 21 tonight. But uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you're listening to this on the Heart and Head podcast, thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. If you'd like to learn more about Central or about our mission uh, here, here in Victoria, I want to encourage you to check out our website at www.churchvictoria.com. That's www.churchvictoria.com. And if this ministry has blessed you in any way, you'd like to partner with us, there's a donate button right there at the top of this uh, top of the webpage. Go ahead and click on that. It'll take you to PayPal and they'll have instructions on how you can get some, uh, you can get donations to us. Uh, like I said, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16, verse 21. We really hope all y'all have enjoyed the uh, interviews that came out this uh, these past few uh, Wednesday evenings. Um, I know it was a, I had a blast sitting down with Amy and getting to talk about that. Of course, they're not out yet, and Dan hasn't seen them yet, no, so you really it. can't say much no. about it. No. Um, but uh, by the time you see this, I'm sure you've already seen the interviews, so I uh, really hope that was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more I, about... I know I have met her. Right. Didn't sit down and talk with her, but I met her, and she's very impressive. Very impressive lady, man. You know, so you know, I'm I'm anxious to watch it myself. Yeah. Well, if you'd like <laughs> to learn, to see this, I, we would have watched it already. Right. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Amy, or you'd like to learn more about her mission field, or anything else, uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, Go ahead and send us an email, and we'll get you her contact information. I'm pretty sure you can find her on Facebook, too, but off the top of my head, I don't know what her Facebook handle is. So, all right, why don't we pray and jump into right. Exodus. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the for the opportunity we have to gather together and to and to study and to grow. And we just pray your blessings upon each one of us as we as we navigate through the Old Testament. Help us to realize how... how uh, important it is to connecting us to Jesus. Uh, thank you, Father, for that. And thank you for the power that it has in, in, our, in our lives to change uh, to change people's lives. And I just pray that, that every one of us will give that the word an opportunity to do that. Uh, tells us, uh, Paul's letter to, to the Thessalonians tells us that we need to fall in love with the truth. And, uh, and I pray, Father, that each one of us will do that. Bless us, Father, as we study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in Exodus 16, and, and I know for some of y'all it's been a few weeks, so I want to encourage you, if you need to go back and check on, on some of the other videos, some of the other classes we had, I want, to, I want to encourage you to do that if you need a refresher on where we're at. But in Exodus 16, very briefly, you know, we've watched the Israelites come out of Exodus. God led them out with by mighty hand. He mm -hmm. put Pharaoh through that 10-course correspondence course, mm -hmm. Bible correspondence course in who God is, right? Led them out. And now the, the people are on their way. They don't know. They're following a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night, right? They're following this cloud. And they're they don't know yet. They're headed to Mount Sinai, mm -hmm. right? Moses is leading them. Aaron is leading them. And off they go. They've already complained about water, right? They're in the wilderness. So there's, and there's probably a million people out there, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're in the wilderness. They, they needed water. God provided that water. And then they started complaining about food in Exodus 16, God provided them food. And with all of this in mind, the Israelites are learning how to obey, right? Would you say that's accurate? They're learning how to obey here. Yeah, I think I, I think there's a dynamic in all of our families and everything where children learn how to be how to be grown-ups 
by watching the grown-ups in their life. But what and if, these children, yeah. all right, because these people are not going to go into the promised land. All right? God's going to punish them because of what they do. Their children, and these little bitty children that are looking, that are, that are walking around right now are learning as they go. And, and it says uh, in Acts chapter 13, we talked about this last week, or the week, the, the last one they saw before this one, uh, that it said Paul tells them in a snapshot of their history that God put up with their conduct in the wilderness. He put up with it because he had a plan and his plan was to bring Jesus and he That's was right. going to use these people to do that. Now, there's going to be a lot of mis, uh, bad conduct from these people. We're going to see it. We see it again here. You know, we saw it with the water. We saw it with Egypt. We saw it every time we turn around, we see more bad conduct. But for children and these Israelites to really learn, what would you say is the cornerstone? Because they're all learning to obey. The kids are learning how to obey. The parents mm -hmm. are learning how to obey. They're all learning how to obey. What would you say is the cornerstone to really learning obedience? I think the experience you're going through, I think you watch it enough times. You know, sometimes it takes some of us. God has to beat has to have to smack us a, a few times before we get it. Uh, I think uh, the cornerstone is is uh, experience. The experience we, in what though? Experience in the negativities that we find. We you remember they're watching God. They're mm -hmm. watching God firsthand. All right, Moses is talking to them, and they're watching this pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. So they know they have no illusions like like people do today. God is definitely here. Right. Okay. And yet you disobey anyway. You know, they're going to come to the to Mount Sinai in a couple of years down the road here, and, and they're going to build a golden cap because, because Moses didn't come down soon enough. So the experiences that they're going to find, and then they're going to watch 3,000 of their comrades die, be, be violently killed. Mm -hmm. You know, the Levites are going to go through and kill them with a sword. So those experiences, I think, would be a cornerstone. When, when we see the, the negativity that happens in our life, we see the things that happen and know that God's in charge, that God is the one that's, that's controlling everything in our lives and watch the things that happen. We know that, that, uh, that we, you know, it says you, you've been preaching out of the book of James. James said, consider it pure joy. Well, you have to learn that. Well, and I think, I think there's a fundamental key here. I, I love the perspective you're bringing because I hadn't really thought about that yet. And I think this is a, a generational thing, the different things we latch on to. Mm -hmm. So I think your, your, what you're saying, I think, is, is absolutely valid. We've actually got to learn that God means what he says. Well, and if we, don't, if we don't listen to what he says, there's going to be punishment. Sometimes we have to be retaught, too. Okay. Well, you know, like, like uh, yeah, I talked to a guy the other day, and he, was, he does text all the time. Text, 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 text. And I said, that's great. Texts are fine. But sometimes you have to learn or relearn that sometimes someone needs a live voice on the other end of the line to just to give them some reassurance. I feel like we're talking about me. No, no, you know what? It's somebody else. <laughs> you know, and, well, this is and, something you've told me. But, but you know, well. and then that person texted me and said, just got off the phone with this individual and you were right. They needed mm. to hear, you know, and, and for a long time, we never had text, so we didn't have to. Now we're having to relearn how to how to have conversation. Well, these people are going to relearn how to live dependent on God instead of dependent on Egypt. Well, and I think there's another, there's a fundamental aspect. Again, I think you're 100% right, and I love that perspective. They need to learn. They need to learn what a real God is. And I think mm -hmm. that, to me, the thing I latch on to is trust. Mm -hmm. they've, got to, they've got to actually trust in who God is. Yeah, and they got to learn that. 
And they got to learn that because they, they, the deities they grew up with, the deities that they've, well, I don't want to say grown up with, right? Because obviously knowledge of the God of Israel has been common throughout, right? The midwives But knew. it has been compromised. But it has been compromised. And they grew up in this pagan culture. And in these, in these pagan cultures, all these deities were, were these capricious powers that the priests were learning to manipulate, right? You offer this, you get this, right? It's like a cosmic vending machine. You put in the coin and you get the, the prize. Think, think how compromised it had become over 400 years. Right. They've been there for 430 years. How compromised? You know, generationally, it had been compromised. We have things today in our cultures that have been compromised. Thinking, mindsets have been compromised because mm -hmm. of, of just years have gone. And we've, and we've gotten lackadaisical in this or, or you know, we've gotten, uh, you know, immature in something else. And we got lazy. And so those, those values that we had back in the 50s, you know, they're not here anymore. That's right. They are with some of us that are 70, 80 years old. We still have those those values, but those values have will have to be relearned at some point. These people are going through a relearning process, and it's going to happen one day at a time, well, just they, like it does with us. And they need to relearn that they can trust in who God is and that they can trust that he means what he says. Absolutely. Absolutely. And these are these are this these are two ingredients that this generation is going to refuse. That's why to it's so important that we do what we're doing now, that we do what we do on Sunday, that we're doing going to do what we're doing t tonight on mm -hmm. Wednesday night, that we study God's word, that we spend time listening to God, That's right. letting him talk to us. You know, listening to what he said. Uh you know, you you run across a little a snippet and say, "Wow, that's really pertinent to me today." You know, you're going to find things that some some people are watching, and sometimes they may watch a, two or three episodes and not get anything out of, you know, pertinent to them, you know, sure. personal. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something said, something they read, they see it in, in Scripture, and they say, oh, man. Well, let's see if they, if okay. these, if they pick it up, because they're about to go through that, oh, man, process. Yeah, they are. They are. And, and what we're going to see time and time again is that they don't learn, but... Let's get into the text. So we're in 21. So 21 ends with them com having complained about the bread and them holding on to the, to the, them being given instructions on how to hold on to the bread that the manna from heaven, they didn't listen. So each morning, uh, it says right above 21, right in 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots began to smell. This demonstrates that the Israelites just do not trust in who God is and his intention. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you trust in who God is in his intention, like who he is in his character, then you trust that God is loving, that he is kind, that he's full of mercy and full of grace. But most people, Cole, many people we run in today don't know any of that. Right. Because and, that all of that's been compromised because of what they've been learning. Well, and what what how do they learn it? They learn it from, as you said, experience. Right. So the Israelites have experienced this God's intention in them, leading them mm -hmm. out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. I want to leave you out, lead you out of Egypt. What about people today? How about instead of looking at all the negativity in your life and going, see, God hates me. That's not what's going on at all. God deeply loves you. Do you know why? You exist. Yeah. You're breathing. Because he made you in his image. You have food in the cupboard. Do you have any food at all? Do you have any shelter? Do you have any clothing? Mm -hmm. James says all good things are from above. They come from the Father of heavenly lights, who is, who, there is no shadow. There is no shifting shadow in yeah. it all. Yeah. 
When we look at who God is, we have a tendency to want to blame him for all the negative in our life. Rather, just like these guys, rather than turn and look and go, I have the things I have because you gave them to me. Mm -hmm. The food, the clothing, the children. And, the, and when we don't acknowledge. We don't acknowledge. We don't respond. Nope. We don't obey. And then God has no choice but to punish us. He has no choice. We make it so. We Just like these, he's going to punish them. He's going to have no choice because they will be disobedient. They'll be obstinate and they'll be arrogant. And he will, he'll have no choice. And, and that's, we, we give him the same option. I, I do agree ultimately that he is going to punish those who do not obey the gospel. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that. And I, I will even go so far as to say, I agree that sometimes when we sin, right, mm -hmm. God ends up punishing us because of our sin, but not all of the negativity. Um, that's not what I'm saying. So, so I, I think, I think that. I think the sin itself sometimes is a punishment. And that's and that's the what consequence of it's a punishment. So sometimes you suffer because you have sinned. You have you've personally done, you've, done something wrong. Well, it's like you got little kids, mm -hmm. you know, and and uh, you know, they're gonna do things that that are gonna get them hurt, get them in trouble. Right. And that it wasn't you didn't do it, they did it to themselves. Well, and so right. So sometimes it's because of the the sin you commit, which yep. is what your your analogy mm -hmm. with the children mm -hmm. spot on. Sometimes it's because the neighbor kids are yeah. wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. So my kids will suffer because the neighbor kids, I didn't do anything to them, but the neighbor kids are horrible children or whatever yeah. they treat my children. <laughs> so other people, so sometimes we suffer because of other people's sins. And sometimes we suffer because this is a fallen world. Yeah. Sometimes we suffer because- Because Satan's alive and well, and he's roaming all over the place. My kids are outside playing and there's a hole in the ground. They trip over the hole and they break their ankle. That's not their fault. That's not my fault. That's not the neighbor kid's fault. No. That's just because of the way it is. Yeah. And so Sometimes this is happen. a fallen yeah. world. You know, it's like, who gave me cancer? Mm. You know, that's always a, as a question, right? Well, this is a fallen world. Now, God may, if you're a Christian, God may have allowed that to happen to you because he wants to strengthen your faith or strengthen other people's faith mm. around you. He's going to be ultimately glorified through that. It could also be in a fallen world that yeah. it's a fallen world, yeah. right? Yeah. So... Um, they are learning, instead of learning to trust God through these lessons, what they're they're doing is they're obstinately holding on to their own understanding, their own wisdom, and they're saying, I can't trust you. Yep. I can't trust this cloud, this, this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire, right? Mm -hmm. So verse 21 continues, each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Mo Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So normally every day you're not allowed to keep anything. Mm -hmm. But tomorrow is going to be a Sabbath. You need, to, you need to save now. Today's the day you need to save. This is what the Lord has said. Mm -hmm. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. And so to be very, very clear, the Sabbath is not Sunday. No. So this is kind of a side note. The Sabbath is Saturday. Yeah. The Sabbath has always been Saturday. The seventh day of the week mm -hmm. is Saturday, mm -hmm. not Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. Right. Mm -hmm. Verse 27. So it seems like everything is going well. Everything's just hunky-dory. Verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. 
but they found none. These people do not trust the Lord, even though he's shown them again and again that he can be trusted. He has shown them again and again that he cares about them. Verse 28, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instruction? How long? They didn't, you know, they, they, it was important to God for them to learn about the Sabbath rest. It was important to him. You know, he rested on the seventh day. He, he wants them to rest on the seventh day. Uh, he, it's important to him. And when they go out to gather, they take their buckets and everything. There's nothing there. They don't really do anything, but they go out there. And, and he knows in their mind that the stuff would have been there. They would have picked it up even though he told them not to. And so, you know, it's very important that, 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 we, that we look at what God has said to do. And then, and then we don't have to understand why he said it. They're never going to understand right now what the Sabbath rest is about. They have no idea. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to see way all the way over in Hebrews where he talks about the Sabbath rest. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're not going to understand here. All they need to do now, it's like your children. You know, you've got three little stair steps. Okay. One of them knows more about what you're saying and why you're saying it than the little one does. The little one doesn't have a clue most of the time. Well, it's the same way with us. You know, I don't necessarily understand all the things that God's saying. I just have to trust that he knows what he's talking about and just be obedient to it. And again, I, I, I that's, that is a fantastic perspective. Uh, and I think that's absolutely, there's absolute truth there. If we understand, right, if my children understand that I am their loving father who cares about them, then they need to trust the things I say, whether they understand them or not. Mm -hmm. But there also comes a time where we do get to know why. We yeah. do get to understand. Sure. In the meanwhile, while we're learning, and these people are learning, and Paul will say later in 1 Corinthians and, and Romans chapter 15, as you pointed out, these things occurred so that the church might learn. That's right. And so we're not in a position, we're not them, right? They're in a position where they need to just trust well, we God. we better learn this stuff. Yeah. We better learn how God operates with people because he's still the same. Right. He's still the same today. You know, he's still, he's still navigating through us you know, because like you said a while ago, all good things come from above. That's right. He's still involved. He did, he's not a, we're not deists where, where we believe that God wound us up, put us on a table and just. That's right. Moved. No, we don't believe that. No. We don't believe that at all. But our early forefathers did believe, many of them did believe he, that they were deists. They believed that God just wound them up and took off and went on vacation. That's right. God, God tells David said, I ain't like you. I'm not like you. I I don't sleep in slumber. I don't I don't go on vacation. I don't go on trips. You know, I am there. Right. You know, he told David very clearly, I am not like you. So, you know, we need to understand that through the things that we're reading and through the things that happen to us, that God is different. Well, but why did he give him the Sabbath? Did he give him the Sabbath because he was bored and he was capricious? What did he give it to him? Why did he give it to him? I, I have wondered and wondered. I, I believe that that uh, that at some point God knew that they were. That I, I have taught before that that God made them rest on the seventh day because they weren't going to on their own. That's right. That He made them. He made them take a break. He and because we need it. Yeah. God doesn't need to rest. Yeah. He he 
shows us and demonstrates the way we ought to be mm -hmm. and the way we ought to live because he knows we need these things. So why is he giving him a rest? Because, you know, you just need to learn to obey what I say. I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Part of it certainly is you need to, when I speak, you need to learn that I mean what I say and yeah. you're going to do what I say. You need to get into that habit, certainly. But I'm giving this to you for you. Look at verse 30. Right? In verse 29, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. Why? So the people rested on the seventh day. Because you need to rest. Mm -hmm. You can't be running and running and running. It's it's you know, when if you've watched the interview, you know Amy and I already talked about this. But one of the things we mentioned, we talked about was, and we have Dan at a severe disadvantage. He hasn't <laughs> watched it yet. But one of the things we talked about was you need to learn how to do less. Everybody, we're talking about when in we're talking about in evangelism and being being focused on the things that God wants us to find. One of the first steps was do less. You need to start learning how to cut back. The very first thing she said was, you need to learn how to be still and learn how to spend time with God. Slow down, do less be still, spend time with God. And that's exactly what this is about. One of the things that in my Sunday morning class, you know, that when we got through John chapter 12 and John chapter 12, at the end of it says, the words I spoke will judge you in the last day. Mm. And I, and I said, I said, the, the words that Jesus spoke, he said, those were the very words the father gave me to speak. I didn't speak on my own. I only said what the father told me to say. And I said, how important should that be to us? How important should the word be? Don't you think it? we should develop a, a block of time in our lives to just to sit and listen to him? And I told him, I said, the next week, I'm going to ask you, how many of you did? Because we all block time out for something. Mm. And, uh, and just to sit, like she said, just to sit and listen, just to sit or just to sit somewhere outside and just look around and see, you know, this is God's handiwork. This is what God's done. You know, I'm really fed up with the... Uh, with it being 30 degrees every morning for the last 500 days, seems like, you know, I know that's not the way it is, but, but like I'm two weeks out of January, but, but I'm, I'm tired of it. And, <laughs> but you know, I know that God has a plan, has a reason. We could be having 48 inches of snow every, every couple of days. We don't have that. I'm, I feel blessed because of that. But yeah, you know, I think you can learn and listen to God just by watching his creation. Mm. Tells us that Romans one. That's right. So, you know, things great. So he's giving them this because he cares about them. He wants them to rest. He wants them to, he needs them to understand, hey, you can't just keep going and going and going and, and going. And, and going. if you really get into it, it really is a type of heaven. It is. It, it's it, a it points it. It's a shadow of what's coming. That's right. You know, that we will enter a Sabbath rest permanently. So if you're out there and you're thinking this world is chaotic, this world is, is the opposite of peaceful, this world is, God agrees and in Christ... It says in the book of Hebrews that we still have a rest waiting for yes, us. Yes, we do. Uh, we will. We will get to. We will get to enter rest. in a Sabbath rest, and that is he's talking about heaven. While we're here, it's work. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. Now we get a taste. We do get a taste. And, um, and you know, Cole, for for you guys that are watching, I think if you're not a Christian, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that give us that that glimmer. The Holy Spirit, he said, was a down payment. That's right. A down payment guaranteeing what was to come. Being being able to make I just I got a call yesterday a couple of days ago from the guy that baptized me mm. when I was twenty nine years old. Uh you know, he and I became good friends. We bow hunted together and 
he said, I just wanted to call and see how you were doing, man. And and I, we talked about things that were going on in our families and in his family. And, you know, and he had lost a daughter a few years back. And, and, uh, and you know, right after I had lost a, a grandson and, uh, uh, and yet last night I get it. I'm watching TV and I hear this ping and I look over and there's a picture and a text. And it says, uh, it says, you know, and it's him and his wife. And I text him back and I said, I said, you know, I said, when I see that picture, I said, I know there's a, we're a lot older and a lot less hair because he's got it balling on top now. And I said, but that's the, that's all of us go through that. But it, I sure have some fond memories though. That's a, you know, I, and I told him the other day on the phone, I said, I can't wait to spend eternity with you mm. because, because you and I, because he spent a year of his life first, the first year I was a Christian, just about on, on me every day. And I was, I was hard. I was hard to deal with. I was, I was, I just hard to deal with. And he didn't, he didn't waver. You know, he sat down in his home and took on two of us who were exactly alike, me and another guy and, and did a study on a Monday night, every night. And we're, and we're throwing questions at him that it had to, it had to make him cringe on Monday morning to think of oh, them two knuckleheads are coming over again. You know, and those kind of things give us, you know, these people are going to remember, these children are going to remember this stuff. They're going to remember the man of the quail. They're going to remember all that stuff when they when they get up to the promised land in, in 40 years. Well, and, and that God is setting them up. In verse 31, yeah. the people of Israel called the bread manna. He's setting them up for that exact yeah. dynamic. Mm -hmm. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Verse 32, Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. Now, they don't have the tablets of the covenant law yet. No, they don't have that this yet. Is a, that this hasn't is happened. This, this yeah. is this is in the future. Yeah, this is this is almost like, you know, Moses came back in and is saying now now this is that yeah. he commanded them to do all this right. Okay, um, so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna forty years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan, and then it tells us what the measurement for an omer is. It's one tenth of an epah, which, you know, they could that could it's like a cup or a cord or something of that you know, nature what you know what is amazing to me is is uh they 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 take this manna all right every day it, th this is how i think right you go out every day and get manna and if you get too much the next morning before you go back out to pick some more up it's got maggots in it so then you got to throw that out and you got it and you got it and then whatever's not picked up the sun comes out and it's all gone Okay, the sun dissolves it away. So the next day you go out and get some more and, and you say, well, I, I don't think I've got enough. I'm going to get a little bit more and next morning it's got maggots in it. But on the sixth day, you go out and you pick up enough for two days and it doesn't get maggots in it. You didn't do anything different than you did yesterday, the day before, and the day before that. You didn't do anything different. All you did was picked up double portion. That's it. How come it didn't get maggots in it? How come you get maggots in it? How come the jar that you're going to put, okay, what did God say? You pick up more than what I tell you. It's going to get, it's going to get maggots, get smelly, and, and the rest of it that's left out there, the sun's going to, going to suck it up, all right? How come, that's how I think, all right? How come the jar didn't? 
how come the stuff on the sixth day? Because God didn't allow it to. Yeah, because God said. You you have to, you know, you think like that sometimes in our own life. Why is it that some things happen and some things don't? Because God said it wasn't going to happen. He said, if you do this, I will do this. That's right. Okay. We can take that from this and say, okay, he must be serious. He must be, he must mean it. And if you've been studying with us all the way from Genesis to now, this should, that what should, what should be coming up in your mind is, is creation. Yeah. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And was he light. didn't say, let there be a sun with this hydrogen reaction going on that yeah. gives off light. Yeah. That's not what he said. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He didn't create the stars and the set the suns and all of those things until like the fourth day. Yeah. So where was this light? It just was. The creation itself corresponds to what God says it is. Yeah. And Period. Th this kind of thing, you know, I think like that. And I'm thinking, if I'm out there picking up this stuff, and on the sixth day, I'm wondering, how come it didn't get maggots in it? Well, God did that. This is what helped to train me when Dwayne was sitting down with me. I'm thinking like this. And I'm going, wait a minute. How come this didn't? Well, because God said it wasn't going to happen. Or right. God said it was going to happen. You know, and that's what developed my faith. And then when I read Romans and it said, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, as I read these kind of things, I'm looking and saying, going, you know, it's like, it's like the, the, the guy that the nation of Israel, you know, God parts the Red Sea and they walk across on dry ground. I know what the bottom of a, what the bottom of a lake is going to look like for the next two months before, before it dries up and they, they walk across on dry ground. God did that. That's what develops your faith is you read the word and you and you and you let the word come into you. You start to think, okay, why is this happening? Because God said so. Well, and look at all the evidence he provides. Absolutely. You know, I mean Absolutely. so many people today want to say that faith is sans evidence, right? If you have evidence, it's not faith. Well, I don't know what to tell you, but that's just not the case. We have plenty of evidence. There is more than enough evidence, in fact, to reasonably conclude that Jesus lived that he died, that he rose on the third day, that he is the son of God and the Bible is the word of God. There is more than enough reasonable evidence to conclude that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a question of evidence. God isn't asking you whether you agree with him on the facts of the case with Jesus. You know what's what's funny? What's fun about this manna? And in, in chapter 17, we're talking about the water and the rock. But the bread that they ate was Christ. Yeah. The water that yeah. they're going to drink the is rock, Christ. The rock is Christ. I mean, the rock they, is they, Christ. They, Christ was the rock. And Jesus in the New Testament will say, I am the bread of life. Yeah. He will say, I am the living water. So he'll tell the woman at yeah. the well, the, Samar the, the Samaritan woman at the well, right? He'll tell her, come and drink from me mm -hmm. and you'll have eternal life. And so God... She's, and she says, well, you don't have anything to dip this water. Where are you going to get it from? You know, She doesn't understand. She doesn't understand. Yeah. And we get wrapped up in that type of stuff yeah. too, don't we? Yeah. We, we start when Jesus says, just come. Because it's hard cold for many people to believe this. I can't see God. Yes, you can. Open your eyes. He tells, if you read this book, if you just pour over, he gives you enough. Of, Romans chapter one says, look around you. I am everywhere. And, you know, and I've told stories before of, of, of experience that I've had when I've hunted and stuff, you know, of, of things. There's no possible way that this could be unless God did it. Look at the true and good and wholesome things that you have in your, your life. I'm not talking about sin. Okay. Sin is not good. And you know that. Yeah. I'm talking about the true, good, wholesome things you have, the children that you have, 
the love that you have for them, the love that you have for your parents, the love that your parents tried to have for you. And I know, I know everybody's got brokenness in these relationships, sure. but the true good things that you have in those things, that's from God. That's what you have from God. That's how you can easily see God. You're right, creation, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But within the realm of creation, the inner, the relationships that we have, the children that we have, all of these good things that we have, this is from God. The chaos in your life, the sin in your life, that's from the world. So if you're looking for God, it's not about agreeing no. that Christ is the Son of God. That's not, God doesn't really care if you agree with him that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, God wants to know that you're going to follow Jesus as His Son. That's right. So That's if right. you if you if you don't know how to do that, if you're out there wondering, if you want to eat the true spiritual bread that leads to life and drink the true spiritual water that leads to life, and you want to learn more about how to do that, you want to learn more about what it means to obey the gospel. I want to encourage you: call us, email us, get a hold of us, and let's sit down and talk about it. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study. Father, we're down, we get down on our knees and we beg for, for understanding and for insight, for clarity. Father, give the, our audience a, a, clear, a clarity of thought and clarity of mind so they can really see you and the things around them, that they, uh, that they can see also when it's them and it's the world and it's Satan is, is involved uh, doing the, the things that are, are causing the negativity in their lives. I pray, Father, for wisdom for them. I pray for, for clarity, and I pray, Father, that you give them an understanding of you so that they can come to a, a full knowledge and a full obedience to you so they can follow your Son and get that Sabbath day rest at some point. Thank you, Father, for that. And thank you for the opportunity that we have that we look forward to in our lives as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.